and welcome to another episode of the O3C podcast, coming to you from O3C Games. Who are we? Well, I can speak for myself, and I'm Jonathan Dunn, and I'm joined by... Christopher Dow. Oh, your uncle. (laughs) 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 And we are here to chat about the best video game from 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Announcement! Announcement! Next week, we are back to resume our fifth season after this trio of festive party episodes. Do you know what's going to help us continue doing that? A little bit of support from a few of you. You could share what we do, pass it on to friends, rate and review. This is all incredibly helpful in making sure more ears are wrapped around this very podcast. If you want to support us more than that, though, the biggest thing that you can do to really push this show forwards and to help us continue doing what we're doing is to consider pledging either a one-off donation via PayPal, a link is available at o3c.games slash support, or a regular rolling donation via Patreon at patreon.com slash O3C games. If you decide to donate either way, you will receive access to a, a whole number of wonderful things. Via Patreon, we have whole bonus episodes, deleted scenes, outtakes, odds and sods we just chuck up now and again, but also uncut video versions of all of these episodes where we fall into collective hysteria as we struggle to make it through the notes we've diligently prepared the week prior. You can listen to us coughing. You listen to us sneezing sometimes. But more than anything, you can see us do both. If you want to do that, remember patreon.com slash O3C games. And we wish you a fantastic and prosperous 2023. So coming fresh off the heels of our highlights of 2022 and our wishes for 2023, uh, we did have an inkling that we were going to be running on a fair bit with our thoughts. So we thought we would move the annual game of the year award section to its own episode and uh, now we're here we're here to award the o3c game of the year award and uh, i'm sure you'll probably be be able to guess what our contenders are for for game of the year this year not just from having heard us wax lyrical about them over several many episodes of the last year's podcast but also by their suspicious omission from our gaming highlights i mean basically we've each got a game to bring to the table and a a collective honourable mention too. So, Chris, why don't you start by telling us what your game of the year has been? When I finish games, I always write a mini review. And sometimes those mini reviews end up being folded into O3C show notes. Sometimes they appear on O3C.games for, for bigger articles. Sometimes they exist just for my own records. When I finished Arcade Paradise a few weeks back, I just wrote game of the year. <laughs> that was my review. <laughs> For my tastes and my sensibilities, there wasn't anything else, old or new, that rivaled Arcade Paradise this year. I played it daily until the whole thing was licked, and I enjoyed basically every moment with it. It was a proper like gorge on this game for the whole time I was into it. The mix of everyday humdrum menial tasks and old analogues of arcade machines worked so well for me. And the atmosphere really did push into a little bit of what makes the arcade club such a joy to visit in real life. It definitely captures some of that feeling. Everything is just so masterfully worked together. You've got the surprisingly good narrative and the creative means that it unveils its story within. The range of game experiences to be had in-game with the arcade machines as well. There's loads of good stuff there. The aesthetic choices in art, and music and world design. Like, I really want to go and visit Nosebeard Interactive up to north and just shake their hands because they've produced absolute gold here. Each arcade minigame 
in Arcade Paradise is excellent. And although not all of them control quite slickly as the machines they might be offering homage to, there's a kind of good enough for jazz vibe that accompanies all of them that just sells the concept so beautifully. So something like Barkanoid, for example, is nowhere near as tight as Arkanoid. You know, when you play that with a proper spinner in an arcade, it feels great. You have a lot of precision as to what you're doing. But Barkanoid is probably more fun because it's got a dog as its paddle. Hell yeah. And it certainly captures enough of the spirit of the machine to sell the concept. Everything's better with a dog. <laughs> Line Terror is much harder than any version of Kicks I've ever played, but it's presented with an almost kind of survival horror style wrapper that really works and contextualizes the challenge to make it something that I just wanted to get better at. That's a really good way of describing it. I ha- it feels like a survival horror game. <laughs> it does. It does. It that's, does. That's amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. Racer Chaser is not as precise as Pac-Man, but it uses its aesthetic nods to top-down GTA to alter the flavor just enough that you won't mind if the ai police cars which are meant to act as pac-man's ghosts are occasionally a bit wonky you know it just it does what it needs to do for the time you need to enjoy it for there's just a real sense of playfulness that's pervasive across the whole game and i don't think it's any surprise if you listen to me talking about it over the last couple months Mm. that it is hands down my favorite thing i played in 2022 I played it on the Switch for five hours before I immediately bought it on the Steam Deck to have it a slightly shinier version. So as much as I often say, like, you know, it's not about fidelity. I'll I'll play it on the place that feels best. I wanted more of the grubby mm-hmm. arcade look. And even then, bearing in mind that I've, I've paid for this game twice, I paid more. It's worth more money. I bought it for my brother for Christmas. I really hope he enjoys it as well as my usual compatriot to the arcade club. But overall, I'm just very, very happy as well that you picked it up off the back of my initial description and then had, I think, an equally good time with it. Yeah. Because you never know. You know, we, we mentioned a few weeks back that we've got different tastes. You know, we can usually see why somebody's enjoying something, but it might not be for us. Mm. But I think with Arcade Paradise, as soon as you were invested 10 minutes in, yeah, you played it for the same 40 hours I did. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great time. It's a great time. Yeah, it really is. It, it, it's such a fantastic concept, it's, but it's also very simple, but it just gets everything really, really right. That gameplay loop of just doing laundry and tinkering and fixing things and cleaning things it shouldn't work as well as it does, but it, yeah. it does. And it shouldn't feed into the arcade game experiences as well as it does, but it does because like everything's just been so considered and so thought out. I had almost a brilliant time with every single second I played, bar <laughs> a few really wonky machines that I found a bit annoying and underwhelming, one of which has been fixed in the recent patch. So Pool is playing a lot better now. Oh, be pleased to know. But also some bugs and glitches that were in there that genuinely actually ruined my enjoyment of a couple of sections yeah. uh, because they, they forced me to lose a fair amount of progress, similar to what you said about Stray in the last episode. Yeah. No, it near yeah. to that extent. It wasn't losing like two or three hours it was like maybe losing 10 20 minutes of 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 stuff so there's a slight unrefinement to it that maybe made it a a nine out of ten rather than a ten out of ten for me but i cannot praise the developers enough because they are a small team they're based in a you know a small place in a in a small country We are a small fucking country. We really are. We are. We are this small. It's got a, a <laughs> fraction of the budget of any AAA title that's being released and, you know, being showered with praise at the Game Awards and stuff like this. But these guys know what makes a video game good. They, they absolutely know that. The fact yeah. that there's a couple of little elements in this game that don't quite deliver that 
isn't because they don't know what it's meant to be, because <laughs> that's simply just down to the fact that they haven't quite got round to, to, to fixing all of the little things yet, because yeah. they're a tiny little company. But absolutely none of that, none of that should take any shine off it, because like you, I cannot recommend it highly enough. I was out shouting to everybody to buy it, got arrested. Um, <laughs> it's a very, very special game. I think it's 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 something that's really sort of captured lightning in a bottle with this concept, and yeah. and I'm so glad that they're going to be supporting it and developing it further. In the latest update, there's a tease for the next machine that's coming, and yeah, I'm I'm already looking forward to that, and I'm going to keep playing it, even if it is just to not make any more progress, just to be in that world. It's just lovely. I said, mm. you know, the biggest sort of compliment I could give it is the fact that it was a much more inviting place to spend time than the new Pokemon game, which yeah. was a, an enormous fantasy open world with extraordinary creatures. And <laughs> and this was a grubby laundrette. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. I don't know where this would sit in my top 100, but it would sit in my top 100 for sure. Like it would rank somewhere. I've looked through my list. Like I know we're not revising the list anytime soon. It was such a big undertaking to do that across three years. We, we needed a bit of a rest, but you can't help but consider these games as they oh, come yeah. up. And I think it might end up somewhere in the middle-ish. Smash Ultimate is currently at 53 on my revised list. Mm. And I feel like Arcade Paradise is a totally different game, but it hits a similar bit of my brain purely for how it is celebrating gaming as it does. Yeah. And Arcade Paradise is not as refined an experience at all, but I feel it's it's in that ballpark somewhere in the 50s. Yeah. And if the end game, I think, had a longer tail, I think it could have pushed higher as well. But as it stands, I've pretty much wrapped everything there is to do. And for the time being, at least, it's probably not a game I'm going to start a fresh save of anytime soon. So it's not as timeless as some of the other re like really big hitters on my pile that I could pick up at any stage and blast through again. As the DLC releases, you know, the, the second wave you just mentioned, I'm excited to start checking it out. But I want to wait until basically everything is available to give myself a mm. bit of a break from the game because I played it in, in such a like yeah. sustained period. The Jonathan Dunn way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But also so I have the biggest feast imaginable yeah. when I'm presented with everything. You know, if there's 10, 15 new machines, a whole host of new goals to work towards, just lots to see and do. I'm really excited to do that. And it feel like a whole fresh platter rather than just being, oh, there's one machine in the corner and I'll play it for an hour and then move on. Yeah. I want to really have some time with it. So I just can't wait to see what happens, really. As for me, as for millions, my game of the year is the greatest video game ever made. <laughs> and my favourite video game ever made, uh, which is Elden Ring. Yeah. And if, if you think those accolades are subjective, you're wrong. It's science. <laughs> Even Chris, who who sucks at most video games, who doesn't yep. like to put more than four hours into each one and steers yep. well clear of RPGs, found himself ploughing 30 hours into Elden yep. Ring. And very fucking fair play to you for sticking with it. I did my best. I really did. I really did give it a proper go. Like Elden Ring is a game that definitely stands on the shoulders of the best things that came before. From Software not only refined their genius Souls-like formula to its most potent essence, but it also built on where the games industry had got with open world games as well, especially jumping on the extraordinary job Nintendo did with Breath of the Wild. Every single pixel of Elden Ring is just specifically designed to hold purpose and meaning. And the playground they set you loose in is at once terrifying and inviting with enough malleability for you to carve out your own personal story in the lands between. No two players are going to play through the game the same way. Even this one player didn't play through the game the same way twice as when I'd gleefully wrapped the PS5 version in a nifty 120 hours. <laughs> I couldn't bloody wait to play through it all again on 
the miraculous Steam Deck. I, I had the benefit of knowledge in my second playthrough and also the benefit of having had plenty of time to find a build that really worked for me and being able to hit the ground running with that this second time. It still took me over 60 hours to clock it. And that wasn't even doing everything because there were some elements of the game that I didn't need to do because they would only sort of really benefit me if I was pursuing a particular build. And let's be clear about this game's runtime. Unlike the games of Hideo Kojima, which arrogantly boast of the length of their cinematic, unplayable content, Elden Ring probably has 15 minutes of cutscenes across its 120-hour breadth, leaving (laughs) the wondrous storytelling to the player to establish through snippets of lore, flavour text, exploration, discovery, and community. I absolutely don't profess to know what everything is all about in this game, but you, you don't necessarily have to grasp all of this game's macabre weirdness to have like visceral emotional response to the designs of the characters and the creatures and the monstrous bosses. Every single one is just an awe-inspiring event. For me, like none more so than the extraordinary battle against Star Scourge Radan, a man whose power is fabled long in advance of you squaring up against him and then does not disappoint when you see him up close. He's massive. He has the power to stop the stars. Uh, He has a bow and arrows so big they could skewer a blue whale. (laughs) And the fight takes place on this vast battlefield that sees you able to summon a whole bunch of friendly NPCs to join you as this fight is like technically in terms of a story is part of a legendary tournament. Seeing like Alexander, the pot, charging in ahead of you alongside hardened warriors and fighters is just so incredible and this fight like just stayed with me so much so that i forged radan's armor after the victory and wore it proudly in his honor for the rest of the game speaking of summoning this is an element of from software's oeuvre that for some reason divides fans some claiming that you're not a proper gamer if you have to summon help to beat a boss but for me, it's it's such a big part of why these games, including Elden Ring, are so enjoyable because like seeing a glowing golden mark on the ground is more than just a literal beacon in the gloomy, grim loneliness. It's it's the emotional support you sometimes need to get through a roadblock. And like summoning an NPC or summoning another player online is never a simple quick fix to a problem. Like the bosses scale accordingly to how many people you have fighting it. And you need to be mightily clued up on on how best to approach this boss, being observant as to how your allies are approaching it so that you can act accordingly. But the confidence you gain from having another sword or spell alongside you, that's sometimes what you need to elevate your game and defeat the darkness. Plus, if I need to provide evidence that I can get good, uh, if I need to, (laughs) I'll direct you to my Sekiro play history. (laughs) Every single element of this game is a 10 out of 10 for me, from the sweeping and atmospheric soundtrack to the stunningly realised art direction, the lore, the storytelling, world building. But most importantly, the gameplay is as good as anything that came before it, finely tuned to give you such a personal satisfaction out of playing the game however you want to play it. We've just had like a, a little free expansion release in the last few weeks uh, that adds a little bit more PvP content to the game, which is nice, but the PvP side of the game isn't something that I'm massively interested in. Me. But I, I do really hope that some sizable DLC comes for the game next year. I mean, not that the game isn't big enough already, because it's monumentally huge. It's it's so big. But I would love to see even more. Like I've been saving playing through New Game Plus on my PS5 
a save file in case DLC does come because I want to be able to do that. I think on my first save file rather than play through it again and then do it. But if we don't get word of it, maybe by midway through next year, I might well, you know, start a fresh playthrough or I might just start a fresh playthrough on my Steam Deck and play through it all again because it's just, you know, it's it's the greatest thing that's ever been made. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, it's unfair to compare something like Elden Ring and Arcade Paradise. You know, one is triple a title with a you know limitless budget pretty much yeah being made by a team of thousands and the other is a small chamber piece both absolutely extraordinary and i'm pretty sure that we're just gonna give both games the game of the year aren't we i think so i mean i can appreciate that elden ring should and has won game of the year awards across most publications like as much as i'm saying it's not my personal game of the year I know why it's most people's game of the year. Like I I do get that. This is the first time I've played a Souls game for any length of time. Mm. And I did genuinely enjoy it, even if it took me the best part of 20 hours to realize I could run, meaning that I had to beat the first boss by carefully rolling or walking casually out of the way of his attacks. (laughs) I did it. You did. I did it. (laughs) But I I like the sense of place. I haven't mentioned that in a while, have I? But it's it's got a very good sense of place. I like the world building. I like that there isn't a linear story per se. I like that it seems your character build can be almost entirely personalized to you and your playstyle. Even if I didn't know what I was doing in building it, I like knowing the options there. Mm. But I struggled personally, even after 40 hours, to consistently escape almost any encounter. Because as much as it's a game of rhythm, which I could handle, it's a game of, of tells as well. And I've never been very good at reading subtle movements in games like that to know when to strike or when to dodge or whatever. And I think that's the biggest failing I had. The, the thing that really made this more challenging than I think it is for some people is that I would, I would fly into a battle I've done 50 times before and continually make the same mistakes over and over again. I just wasn't seeing what was being telegraphed. But again, as we've said quite a few times recently, that's a me problem. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my own brain's problem. Maybe in time, I'll go back and try and pick up my save, or maybe I'll just start fresh in a fallow period in the future and and see what I can do on just a a brand new go. But I do fully realise that this is a great game. And it was nice, at least for me, to have my toe in the discourse for a change when it came to Mm. a big marquee release, because generally, as I mentioned across the last couple of episodes, that isn't the way I approach games and gaming. So that was quite a lot of fun, actually, to see things being shared and being like, oh, Hello. You know, like the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme that always gets used from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just oh, staring yeah. at the screen with the beer can. It's like, that was me yeah. for at least a few weeks of just <laughs> just being able to take part and feeling quite warm and fuzzy because of that. I think they are, like you say, they're totally different experiences, Arcade Paradise and Elden Ring. But what's always difficult in any sort of like end of year list is that you're ranking things next to each other, which are just different things they're meant to be different experiences you might see an incredible flashy action film and also then watch a very very somber documentary that are equally good things but how do you pit that against each other and in games it's no different you know you've got a soft management sim where you're playing old analogs of arcade games or a beautiful open world that kind of iterates on everything that's come before it to make the best open world they're just they're not the same things but they are equally very very good things and it's just really nice that you can play both of them. And on the Steam Deck. <laughs> Mad. Mad. So let's make it official. Game of the Year 2022 from O3C Games is 
Elden Paradise Arcade Ring. Elden Ring and <laughs> Arcade Paradise. Well deserved. What a pair. Not done yet, though. Oh, We've only no. got a bloody honourable mention. There we is do. a game that, again, fills a whole other space in between these two games as well. Whilst it hasn't quite reached the number one spot for either of us, it is still a game that we really wanted to give an accolade to. And uh, Chris is going to tell you what that was. It wouldn't feel right to talk up Games of the Year and not mention Bloom on the play date. Yeah! Just as we were real cheerleaders for RNG Party's Backspace Buchan on the PC... I feel like we should be the podcast to really shout about Bloom. It's one of the Playdate's very best games. And to be honest, one of the best visual novels I've played on any platform. It's earnest, it's witty, it's clever, it's beautifully presented. And it made me care about its characters so deeply through simulated text messages alone. I was just blown away as to what it achieved with such kind of limited specs. To be able to expand a narrative this fully through relatively minimal interactions is very, very impressive stuff. There's almost parallels here to Arcade Paradise in a weird way, in that the story is delivered in these little chunks adjacent to your daily busy work and routine. So for Bloom, alongside being a visual novel, it's also a simple gardening sim, and that's kind of what you're balancing your time between. And both of these titles really explore how narrative in a game doesn't need to follow the rules of a book or a film or other media because it's a game it can do different things so bloom plays with time it plays with giving the player control to respond and then sometimes taking that control away it also explores how far you can build a story using just colloquial speech and chunked text message conversations about things that you don't witness which is Mm. just so totally different to a game using a big text dump or exposition to kind of tell you everything that's gone on but it's a roaring success a really, really roaring success. I think there's odd parallels as well in Bloom when considered alongside my film of the year, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And these are totally different experiences. And I haven't really done enough thinking to properly tap this well of discourse. (laughs) But I feel that that there's this weird through line of familial expectation and existential malaise and generational difference in both Bloom and Everything everywhere. And Arcade Paradise. Yeah, yeah. Completely. Even more <laughs> completely, so, to be honest. Completely. Like maybe it's I'll even try a fucking laundrette. Maybe I'll try and dig into some of this thinking in the future. Maybe not. But for now, I'll say both film and game alike are like eleven out of ten experiences for me, and just some of my very favourite pieces of media of the year. But both totally unexpected. Like going into that film, I was told, I think you'll really enjoy this. And I watched it and was like well, I think it's the best film I've ever seen. And, yeah. and, the, and the same with Bloom. It was like, I read enough about it to think like, yeah, that seems like it's up my street and I like the developers and let's give this a go. And I, I just wasn't prepared for how good it was going to be. I agree on uh, all fronts about all things. I mean, my film of the year as well, yeah. uh, hands down. Hand, I, I think it's the best film made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's astonishing. It's, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. I absolutely agree about Bloom. It is uh, it totally surprised me. It kept me entirely captivated, like you said, through seemingly so little, but so little designed so extraordinarily well, and more importantly, written so incredibly well. Yeah. It's one of the best written and presented stories I've experienced in a video game, and uh, a real testament to the to the talent of those guys at RNG Party, and yeah, and what they made. It's a stunning, stunning little game. 
So there we go. Uh, oh, game of the year, games of the year, Elden Ring, Arcade Paradise, and uh, and not forgetting the extraordinary bloom on the playdate. What a fantastic year it was for gaming. We're so excited for the next year of gaming, and we're really excited for the next year of O3C Games as well. If you want to be a part of what we're doing, you can. O3C.games, it's our website. Share it with people. Help bring some new listeners in. We'd love that. O3C.game slash support. You can donate to us. You can do a little one-off donation via PayPal. It'll really help go towards the ongoing upkeep of the show and the platform. If you want to get even more involved, you can go to patreon.com slash O3C games. You can pledge from as little as £4 a month. That's like a pound an episode. It would mean the world to us. And, uh, and it's incredibly important in helping us keep the show going and evolving and doing new things and hopefully more enjoyable things. And you also get a ton of stuff in, in return. You get bonus episodes, deleted scenes, outtakes, full video versions of these episodes, uncut, ad-free, and access to the Patreon-exclusive Discord server, where you can chat with us directly, you can chat with the other Patreons, you can chat with our smorgasbord of special guests from seasons past, including RNG Party, they're in there and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. Next week, we're resuming season five. We're Wee. reporting back. <laughs> we're reporting back on our Christmas homework. Chris is going to tell me how he's got on with Silver on the PC or the Dreamcast. And I'm going to be reporting back on James Pond 2 Robocod yeah. on the Mega Drive and the Game Boy Advance. Correct. Uh, two different versions. We're really looking forward to resuming our season and we'll be telling you what we've been playing over this Christmas break as well. Look forward to that five hour episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope you've all had a wonderful festive time. I hope you've managed to find uh, time to have breaks, time for yourself, time to rest uh, and, and time to enjoy those that are special to you. And I hope that you manage to find more of that in 2023. Let's... Uh, Let's bring a bit more kindness to the world, eh? All our love. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. Sequelcast 2 and Friends looks at movies and video games and franchises one movie and game at a time. Hosted by Matt Bradley Shergi, Thrasher, and Alex Miller, been going since 2009, and we're part of the HyperX Podcast Network. The award-winning Go Nintendo podcast is the best place to get the latest news on the world of Nintendo. We cover the biggest stories, share impressions of the latest games, and answer your burning questions. There's also some general pop culture talk, game music trivia, a heaping helping of silliness, and did I mention our robot companion? I'm the star of the show. Catch new episodes of the Go Nintendo Podcast every Saturday on the HyperX Podcast Network.